Welcome to Mindset in the Making with Rachel Josefina, a podcast where we talk about spirituality, perfectionism, and the dance and theater industry. I am on a mission to eliminate hustle mentality and show you that you are worthy of your deepest desires and have the power to create a life you actually enjoy. Just by pushing play today, you are already doing something incredible for your life. Let's keep that momentum going and get into this week's episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to Mindset in the Making. I'm so excited that you're here. I say it almost every episode, but truly the fact that you have chosen this podcast means so much to me. And I'm so excited because I have an incredible guest that is joining me today. And she is going to be talking to you all about your brain and really like more on a scientific level. And I'm really excited for it because I think we're just going to all nerd out together. And I just feel really grateful to have such a specialist and such an expert on this podcast because we can really never stop learning. And when it comes to mindset and really like bringing in spirituality, the brain is where it all happens. And the brain body connection is really what we're going to be talking about as well. And so Emily, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so pumped. Love nerding out about the brain. So let's do this. (laughs) Yay. Amazing. So can you tell everyone who you are and what you do? Sure. So I am Emily Lies, pronouns are she, her, and they, them. Um, I'm a New York City-based actor, singer, and I am a brain training specialist for performers and actors. So I help people specifically use mental practices, neuroscience-based practices to change the brain and body's response to stress, particularly in the work, in the actor work. Um, I help actors build resilience to prevent taking on the stressors and traumas of the roles that they play. Um, and I help actors really Really use these tools to change the way that their neurological brains are functioning to serve their creativity, serve their work, and make acting a long-lasting career that helps them support their well-being in the process. All of that is just so needed mm-hmm. and so amazing. I love like not bringing on and not taking on the trauma of the characters that you play. I think Mm -hmm. that is so amazing and something that we've really seen with like Dear Evan Hansen and so like just so many, and even like talking about racial issues and having shows like Ragtime Mm -hmm. or just the Mm -hmm. color purple. Like there's so much trauma that happens in these shows um, that I think it's so important. And I never, I never really thought of being able to do that. So thank you for doing that because it is so important and people really do suffer. How, how did you come to be who you are today? Like what, (laughs) can you talk about your journey as an actor? And really, was there a point where you were like, oh my gosh, I really just have to go kind of in this other direction to support actors. Like where did that happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a twisty story. And I kind of stumbled into brain science. (laughs) If you had told younger me that I would be studying neuroscience and exploring that, I would have laughed in someone's face. So um, I studied theater and music, acting and vocal performance in undergrad. I was like set for the Broadway track. I was ready to go do the musical theater thing in New York City. Um, And that was really the only thing I was focusing on in college. And then around my senior year, I developed a pretty severe chronic illness, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, also known as myalgic encephalomyelitis for people who are familiar with it. 
and it just completely derailed my plans. I was unable to work. I was fortunately able to graduate, but as soon as I graduated, I moved back in with my parents. I was unable to work. I had a whole array of debilitating symptoms, migraines every day, severe fatigue to the point where like showering was all I could do in the day. And then I would go back to bed. Um, it was really horrible. And I saw tons of specialists, tons of doctors, and they all kind of told me the same thing. They said, you know, you, you look healthy on paper, but, uh, we can't really help you. And this condition is not treatable, not really curable. So you're just going to have to manage with what you have. And I did not accept that. (laughs) Um, so I kept searching and searching and researching on my own. Um, and I stumbled into this brain training program specifically for people with these chronic mystery illnesses like my own. Um, it also serves people with like fibromyalgia, chronic migraines, IBS, anxiety, depression, um, chronic Lyme disease, things like that. All of these mystery syndromes that sort of hang on. And they're also showing in studies that, um, long COVID is related to these, these illnesses as well. And this brain training program essentially rewires the part of the brain that is triggering all of these physiological responses in the body and triggering this illness. It's not to say that it's all in your head. This is a very physical um, kind of illness, but a lot of it starts with trauma in the brain. So that trauma could either be psychological or emotional, the way that we're familiar with it. It could be uh, physical trauma. It could be viral or bacterial like long COVID. Um, it could be chronic stress, which is probably the culprit for me. I have no idea what my trauma was, but essentially this kind of trauma in the brain triggers this whole cascade of um, dysfunctions in the body and it holds on. So this brain training program helps to change the way the brain and body are responding to this trauma, get out of that trauma loop. And so I tried it out. I was very skeptical. And within a couple of weeks, I was better. I went from not being able to walk up a flight of stairs to walking around the streets of Philadelphia for miles and miles feeling fine. And it just it blew my mind. Um, And the main principle of that program of this intense brain training program is that the brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. So it's a visualization-based program where um, there's a lot of different elements to it. I I think it stems from hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming and um, some trauma therapy techniques and things like that. But at its core, it's a visualization-based program where you essentially spend an hour every single day embodying and visualizing what it is like to be healthy. And that is training the brain a new way to respond to triggers, a new way to respond to things that would normally cause symptoms. For me, I did a lot of training around allergies and things like that. Um, But this concept of the brain not knowing the difference between imagination and reality kind of sparked something in me because I started thinking, what the the hell does that mean for actors? You know, if we are... If, if our brains are perceiving that what is happening on stage or on set is real to us, then that means that there is a high, high risk of actors taking on the traumas of the roles that they play and bringing it back to the trauma conversation. If long-term expo- exposure to trauma and stress can lead to illnesses like what I had, then doesn't that mean that actors would be more likely to develop chronic illnesses like my own? So that's sort of how I was introduced to it. And then I began... Firstly, just doing tons of independent research, finding as many articles as I possibly could to 
just get a sense of what is out there already, what research is out there to support actors. I didn't want to duplicate the efforts of other people. And I really found nothing. There is not a lot out there in terms of like scientific journals exploring these phenomena in actors. So I figured that I probably should start doing that myself and doing this research. So I became (laughs) certified in positive neuroplasticity and positive psychology to start. And I really set out to find ways to develop brain training and mental practices to help actors prevent taking on those stressors and traumas and seeing if it was even possible to help actors build that kind of resilience to support themselves while telling these really important stories. You know, we don't want to avoid these challenging stories because for me, those are my favorite stories to tell. You know, the really, Mm -hmm. really deep, difficult ones are the most rewarding, but I wanted to know if there was a way to do it safely. So I started doing this research. I developed a program called The Resilient Actor, which is a six-week program for actors to sort of break down subconscious limiting beliefs that are leading them to be susceptible to taking on stress, Um, helping actors change the brain and body's response to stress in very, very fundamental ways in their work and outside of their work. Um, And beyond that, priming their brains to align with their goals and cultivate creativity and flow in their lives. So all of that, I, um, I developed that program in the midst of COVID in quarantine. That was the, the project of 2020. Um, mm-hmm. So that is currently being revamped. But I, I then decided that I really wanted to further this research and legitimize this research in the science world. So I am also currently in grad school working towards a master's and PhD in mind-body medicine and using that to study, (laughs) thanks, um, using that to study the psychophysiology of acting. So what happens in our brains and bodies and how is that connected? How is acting influencing our brains and bodies? Um, I'm also focusing on clinical hypnosis as another modality to help actors build this kind of resilience and And yeah, so right now I'm doing this research. I have several programs out there for actors. I'm doing workshops and it's a very twisty journey, but I'm grateful for the awakening that I had in the midst of my chronic illness, because I think it's really going to do a lot of good for this community ultimately. Yes, it is going to do so much good. I have to share my entire body is like Mm -hmm. vibrating right now. Like I could (laughs) cry. I feel so incredibly connected to what you're doing like it is oh it is like such a breath of fresh Mm -hmm. air you are such an expert like you know you just I am just in awe of you and I just had to say it because (laughs) I'm so excited for what you're doing and I have so many questions so (laughs) the first one is really just like a um noticing for me is I I recorded a podcast with Madeline from the energy studio. And she had a very similar story of like being really, really sick of find of finding this work. And I too have this story of getting really injured, like basically feeling just totally broken. I was not diagnosed with anything, but I like popped my shoulder out. I actually had to have vocal surgery. Um, wow. cause I had nodules like, but it's, it's wild that so many of us that are in this work that are really looking to help people not suffer the way we suffered, right? Like not Mm. get to this place Mm -hmm. where they're totally like unable to work, needing to just take a break, like leave the industry for however long. 
I just think it's amazing. And there's this really common factor that's happening between all of us. And also, I really hope that it it doesn't have to be like that. And I hope that what yeah. we're doing and what you're doing really impacts people to the point where they don't have to wait until they've completely been like taken out of the game. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that especially in this industry, we have been conditioned and programmed to see things like fatigue and pain and exhaustion and brain fog as just part of how it is. It's like, oh yeah, that's the nature of being an actor. You're exhausted all the time. And that is why I didn't see what I was experiencing as illness for years. I had that all through college, but I thought it was just because I was in rehearsals and classes and doing acapella and all of these things that were draining me. And I was like, oh yeah, everyone must feel this way. But not everyone around me was taking three naps a day. And so I think we're conditioned to almost gaslight ourselves into believing that what we're feeling is normal and and sort of the the payment for being a part of this community. And that's just not the case. There are ways to move through this in a in a resilient way, but a lot of us needed that breaking point to say, oh holy shit, this is not right. okay. And this is not sustainable. And I've heard that from a lot of Broadway actors as well. It's like their bodies had to break down before they said, okay, I need a day off. And so, yeah, I'm hoping that I'm seeing that pattern as well. And I'm really hoping that those of us who have gone through that are able to communicate to the people who haven't so that they can prevent it. Yeah. And hopefully they're with, with seeing this and the awareness of like, oh, I had mm-hmm. to break down before I could allow myself that mm-hmm. time to recover or time to rest or time to rebuild. Hopefully with enough of us speaking about it, right, and talking about it, yeah. people kind of get the permission to to have it be okay, you know? And so, yeah, I just want to say thank you. And it's very interesting to see that story happen over mm-hmm. and over again. Um yes. Yeah, and hopefully that that story can shift and change with all the work that we are doing. Um, and then For sure. a question that I wanted to ask. So this idea of the brain not knowing the difference between reality and like daydreaming or, or acting or whatever, mm-hmm. I see that as manifestation. Mm-hmm. Can Because mm-hmm. it really is this idea of sitting and visualizing and embodying what would it, you said, like embodying what would it be like to be healthy? It's the same thing yeah. with what would it be like to be rich? What would it be like to be happy? Yeah. What would it be like to be the type of person who like goes out with their friends, is on Broadway, like really mm-hmm. visualizing my coach, Kelly Youngman, she really like, she did this work, but it was really under the form of manifestation. So have you ever like, has that ever come up the connection or what's your connection with manifestation and maybe spirituality and like bridging the two? How do they connect? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point. You know, I think that the conversations that we're both having in our worlds are the same conversation and it's just using different language. You know, I, I call it brain training. You call it manifestation. We are, what we are doing at our core is teaching our brains what's possible. And we are showing ourselves what is possible. And that inherently is leading us to open up, be open to those possibilities when they arise. So 
I've done some research in that. I actually, my first introduction into any kind of mental practice um, was in Buddhism. So in college, I was introduced to a Buddhist practice. And that was the first time that I realized like, holy shit, I can do something with my brain to change my life. And that was the moment that I really experienced that sort of manifestation um, phenomenon because I started meditating on the things that I wanted. Um, it was a chanting practice. So I would chant um, this, this Japanese phrase over and over again as I was thinking about the things that I wanted and visualizing the things that I wanted. And all of a sudden, I believed that it was possible. I was confident that it would happen. And then it started happening. So that was really my introduction to it. And so the work that I do is very science-based in the way that I communicate it. Um, And I also firmly believe that it helps us manifest everything that we want. So I've, I've seen that in, you know, health related things and also just opportunities. So a a lot of the work that I do is visualization of imagining, imagining myself as the healthiest version of myself, but that also inherently means I'm imagining myself getting audition opportunities and making more money and doing workshops for amazing organizations. And that is literally priming my brain on a neurological level that what I am seeing is possible because my brain thinks it's happening now. So if I've done something once, I can always do it again. And so then I have a positive association with it because I feel good while I'm visualizing it. And then my brain starts to sort of subconsciously be looking for those opportunities that lead me to experience that again, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think that these things are all inherently linked and it's all just allowing us to show ourselves what's possible and that can change our bodies and change our brains and change our circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I just love how, cause there are definitely people who like, they're like, Oh, I'm not into the woo woo world. Mm-hmm. Right. And they'll mm-hmm. really resonate with like the science behind yeah. it of like what's actually happening in the brain. And I just think it's really amazing that mm-hmm. no matter which way you're coming at it, you're really doing the same thing. It's just like it's so accessible to any type mm-hmm. of person who's really diving into the spirituality and the energy of the universe or yeah. really deep into like neurological patterns of like the anatomy yeah. of what's actually happening in the body. I just think it's mm-hmm. so awesome to be doing both. Yeah, that makes me think of a practice that I do a lot with actors. Um, it's a visualization practice specifically called mental rehearsal. So that is the practice of visualizing something in the future for the purpose of training the brain to respond differently. So I do a lot of that work in auditions and um, helping actors mentally rehearse auditions going well. And I think that um, using those practices of like saying, okay, I have an audition that I'm really nervous for. I'm going to visualize it going well. I'm going to visualize myself feeling good in it every single day leading up to this audition. That is in a nutshell, that is manifesting a positive audition. That's manifesting a successful day in that audition room. And um, no matter how you look at it, it's effective. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 I love it. What's like, do you have like a number one thing that you see in actors that that gets in the mm. way of them being able to show up? Hmm. That's a great question. I think... <sighs> I don't know if there's one thing, but I, if I were to pick one, it's 
it's not even a conscious thing that happens, but our, our subconscious associations with our work and the stakes of our work causing stress in our bodies. I think when mm. we are, we are conditioned in college and in New York city, especially to have this high expectation for the outcome of our performances and our auditions and our rehearsals. And so that often leads to physiological stress responses that come up when we are doing those things. And we may be the most trained people with the, you know, most respected BFA whatevers. <laughs> and we have all of this talent, all of this creativity. And I think the thing that holds actors back the most is that subconscious stress association that we have with these things. Because when we are in a stress response, we don't have that opportunity to be attuned to what's going on and respond because we are in a reactive state. So I think that, um, I think that that's really holding us back because all of those abilities are in there. And I think you talk about this a lot as well. It's like that creativity and that talent and that skill is in there no matter what. It's already a part of us. But what's holding us back, the blocks that are holding us back is like the stress in our bodies, the associations that we have with stressful auditions. And that just keeps us from being able to access that part of our brains and our that part of our artistry. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so people like... I know that someone could be listening and they could say, Mm -hmm. which has also been talked about before of like this, the system of auditioning Mm -hmm. or like the structure of auditioning, like is inherently broken or like it's not conducive to not being stressed. And there's Mm -hmm. this belief. And in my opinion, it truly is just a belief that like you have to show up in this certain way because you've been conditioned to show up that way. Mm hmm. Do you even think like, how do you empower and train the brain to show up in a situation that's still the same? Because a lot of the, like Mm -hmm. over the pandemic, we decided, okay, we definitely need rest. Like we really value ourselves as humans. Like we saw a lot of shifts in artists. We really did. Like I saw a lot of people shift and know that they are worthy and, and valuable and like that their mental health and physical health is so important. But then going back to in-person auditions with this audition season, I've seen a lot of people go right back and start to behave in the exact same way and their brain starts to tell them the exact same thing of this is really stressful, like that association that you're talking about is so deeply rooted there. How Mm -hmm. does one change the way in which they show up in a system that hasn't changed? Yeah, that's a really important question. Um, and I think that that's also a question that we should be exploring as a greater society, just in terms of our, you know, our, our social systems that are yeah. set up for oppression in so many communities. So I, I think that there's two conversations that are happening. We need to have this top down approach where we are changing the system at its core. And that's going to take time. So, like, we can't just snap our fingers and one day all of a sudden, auditions will be the best thing ever, you know? Um, But while we're waiting, while we're doing that long-term work to change the systemic problems that are happening, we can also change the ways that our brains are responding to those circumstances. And um, 
think the most useful thing that I've learned is that the brain, the part of the brain responsible for stress and habits and fear and those like default responses that we just fall right back into, um, that part of the brain learns from experience. It doesn't learn from knowledge or facts or thoughts. It learns from physiological, emotional experiences. So Mm. in order to teach the brain that auditions are okay, we have to have experiences of auditions being okay. And most of us haven't, right? Especially as we're moving out of quarantine and going back into the audition world, we've logically worked our way through the idea that, yeah, we need to do things differently, but we haven't had those experiences of it being different yet. So our brains aren't going to know any different. Um, so that is where the power of mental practices and particularly visualization practices come into play because the brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. If we visualize ourselves going through those circumstances with all of the stressful triggers that are there, all of the people in the holding room that intimidate us, all of the things that go wrong, you know, visualize it realistically, but imagine how it would feel like to go through that audition feeling calm. What would it feel like to find everything funny? You know, we can use different approaches, but if we can give our brains enough experiences of moving through that shitty process, but feeling okay at our core, then that will teach our brains that auditions don't have to be stressful. You know, the, the system is messed up and we can still see that, but we can move into that audition and look at all those cues that used to stress us out and say, oh yeah, we visualized ourselves laughing at that. So that's fine. And we visualized ourselves moving through this audition with our hands on our heart in a cozy blanket on our couch. And so that's teaching our nervous systems and our bodies that we're okay in the face of this experience. So, um, and I've seen some really, really profound shifts in the people I've worked with in using this practice. You know, there's a lot of people who haven't auditioned for two years, two plus years. I haven't auditioned for two plus years, but I visualize auditions all the time so that my brain thinks that I am auditioning all the time because it doesn't know the difference. So the more we can do that, even if it's like five or 10 minutes a day, the more we can show our brains that this is an okay space to be in and it's going to be messy, but we are going to be okay. Then that can really start to make those shifts. Yeah. And I love that like you haven't auditioned for two years, but you visualize it all the time. Mm -hmm. So your brain thinks you're auditioning. Mm -hmm. Does that help with your identity as an actor? Like I think Mm. over the pandemic, there's been such an identity crisis of like, if I'm not performing, therefore I'm not an artist or if I'm not auditioning or if I'm not working or if I'm not doing these things, then I'm not an artist. And I think that one of the things is like knowing that you're just a human Mm -hmm. and like your, your artist part of you isn't like your identity. That's the end all be all, but also having that confidence, like I can imagine having that confidence and your brain going to auditions or like performing on, I'm doing, um, Mm -hmm. air quotes, which I realize no (laughs) one can see except for you, (laughs) but like, like pretending right. And like going to auditions and giving your brain that experience that it's real I would, I would assume that that would really help Mm -hmm. with like your identity and your self-concept that of course you're an artist and maybe you would like doubt that, doubt yourself less. Yeah. That's a really, really good question. Um, yeah, I really think that it's helped keep me tied to that part of myself. I, I, of course 
stumble through those moments where it's like, I'm just studying brain science all day. How can I call myself an actor? I get those too. You know, we all do. We all have those doubts, but I think you're right. I think that allowing myself to have those experiences, even those imagined experiences of doing the work and doing the thing and, you know, visualizing things going well, I think that it has been a really anchoring to my identity as a performer. Um, and I also visualize, you know, I, I don't just visualize myself going through auditions. I also picture like, what would my dream 54 below cabaret solo show look like? And I visualize myself doing those things so I can continue to feel like it's possible. Um, because I think it's really hard and it's been really hard for those of us who haven't performed for two years to recognize that we can still do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I went through a bit of an identity crisis where I, when I enrolled in grad school, it's like, I'm going to work towards my PhD for the next five years. So I'm going to be in my thirties. I'm going to be, you know, like, will I still be capable of doing the things that I thought I would be able to do in my twenties, um, as an actor. And so I think the more we can tap into that and feel the joy in the moment of like, what does it feel like to do a cabaret at 54 below? Even though it's not happening today, my brain thinks it's happening. So how good can that feel today? And how can that yeah. fuel our confidence that it will it will happen in the future? Yeah, I think that that is a really, really powerful practice for that kind of imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, and this other thing came up of like, I've um, one of my clients, and I've seen it in, in a lot of my clients, when they are not going to auditions or when they're not on stage, you have this like, starting to romanticize the past contracts that you've done or Mm -hmm. start to feel really nostalgic because your brain potentially, and I'm totally making this up and you can tell me if it's wrong, Mm -hmm. um, is that like your brain's grasping for the experience of looking back to like, when was the last time I did that? Do you think that if you had a visualization practice, it wouldn't grasp on maybe as much, of course we're human, but like Mm -hmm. as much again to those past experiences of like oh remember that time I was working Mm -hmm. like I think we tend to rather than think about what's possible and think about like letting our brain know there are more things possible Mm. it's still possible we grab onto the this is when I was certain that it was happening and then like creating the thoughts around but now it's too late or it's been too much time or again the like I'm not capable. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think we, we crave the evidence that what we want is available to us. And so when what we want was in the past, we go back to the past because we don't have evidence of the future yet. So I think that Mm -hmm. that can definitely help that kind of, I don't know. I feel it as like heartbreak. When I think back to the shows that I just loved, it breaks my heart that I'm not having it now. I'm not experiencing it now. So Um, yeah, I think that that can sort of heal some of that heartbreak and help us keep moving forward there. And I also think that there's power in relishing in the past and letting that fuel our present. So if it's like today I wake up and I really, really want to experience that camaraderie and that just love of a production, then I can, I can allow myself to in a visualization in daydreaming, even just think back to those amazing moments of a show that I loved that felt so good. And then that rather than regretting that it's not happening now, letting that imagination fuel how we want to feel right now, 
because our brains and bodies mm-hmm. are going to respond mm-hmm. as though it's happening now. So I think there's a lot of power in asking ourselves, how do I want to feel today? And then picking a, a scenario, whether that's a possibility in the future or something that happened in the past, and then letting ourselves experience it for 10 minutes that can allow us to feel that today. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from, you know, going back to those moments as long as it's fueling the present or the future. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes so much sense. It's like really tapping into the feeling to create those possibilities for now and in the future, rather than using it as evidence that it, yeah, that it's, you don't have it Mm -hmm. and everything that you're lacking. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, how are you, how are you using those, um, past experiences and those like daydreams? Yeah. And I think a lot of us, um, when we think back to experiences that we miss, we think about them, but we don't feel them. And that is why it's not mm. fueling our present moment because the brain learns from experience. So we, we can't just have the thoughts about it. We can't say, Oh, that time I did, I don't know, little mermaid was so much fun. Um, that's not going to give us what we need because what we need is that feeling. But if we close our eyes and visualize and like picture, what does it feel like to be on that stage, to be wearing that wig, to be feeling the lights on our face and the sweat dripping down our forehead and hearing the applause and the music, the music playing and, um, feeling ourselves take a bow, like really embodying what that feels like, that's going to give us the experience that we need rather than just like the logical thoughts. So I think that that is where those memories can cause sadness is when we're not letting ourselves feel it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think what came up for me when you were saying that was like a lot of mindset work when it doesn't, when it doesn't relate or not relate, Mm -hmm. but when it, it's not like it doesn't work because again, it's just that thought like Mm -hmm. with affirmations. Like if you say affirmations every day and you write them down, it's like, okay, great. That's a great modality to use, but you're not using it in the way that it's going to be effective for the brain, right? Mm -hmm. You're not embodying it. You're not experiencing it. And the Mm -hmm. feeling I've talked about this before is like the key to manifestation is feeling. Yes. And it's, and I love that you're talking (laughs) about that because I'm like, Oh yes. Science is back. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, the the affirmation conversation is so important because we can we can look in the mirror and say I am enough, I am enough, I am enough over and over again, but if we don't feel what it feels like to be enough and understand what that represents physically, then our brains are literally just going to be making an associ- association with that phrase and not feeling like it's true. So, I always like to Whoa. Pair, yeah. Wait, so, wait pause. (laughs) That's huge. No, that's so huge. Like you could be saying you're enough, but you're creating the association that you're actually not enough. Therefore, like Mm -hmm. you would never believe it. Right. Yeah. (gasps) That's wild. In neuroscience, there's a popular phrase that says, um, neurons that fire together, wire together. So when there's two experiences, physiological experiences, um, happening at the same time, they become connected physically in the brain. So when we have the experience of feeling crappy and feeling like we are not good enough, if we look in the mirror and say, I am enough, I am enough, I am enough, and that's all we do, and we just say it out loud, neurons that fire together wire together. So that is wiring this feeling of not not being enough with this phrase, and then we're never going to believe it unless we give ourselves that experience. So 
Um, there's some affirmation work that I do in some of my resilient actor programs that is always paired with experiential practices. So it's like, we identify how we want to feel. Do we want to feel enough or loved or safe or valued? And then we can ask ourselves, what scenario would make me feel that way right now? So if I want to feel like I am good enough, I, I can think about, I don't know, for me right now, feeling like I'm good enough is giving myself a day off. <laughs> so if I could visualize, what would it feel like to have a day off where I can wake up, do whatever I want, dance around my kitchen, sing for fun, frolic around Central Park, that would let me feel like I'm good enough. And that would show my brain that that affirmation is true in the moment because it's feeling it. But if I were to just say I'm enough and then I go wake up early and then work all day, my brain's going to not recognize what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so interesting. That's like a game yeah. changer, honestly. Yeah. And it's like kind of a wake up call for anyone who does use affirmations in the morning or in mm-hmm. the journal. Like in morning routines, I've talked about it where if you're not thinking about like one of the questions that I have people ask when they're doing a mag momo, which is my like version of a morning routine, mm-hmm. um, is like asking yourself, how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. And which I was like, that's why I was smiling so big when you said that. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but it's like really, it starts to turn into this like checklist, yeah. right? Like the things that you're doing, the actions that you're taking, if they're not paired up with a feeling, mm-hmm. just become this like thing that you're doing, yeah. but they're not actually really, really effectively like helping you to grow or to be happier or to get what you thought you were going to be getting out of those practices. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that phrase. How do I want to feel? Because if we, if we think about goals too, things like our, our big dreams of, I don't know, being on Broadway, it's like that moment could be a big deal, but if we're not feeling the things that it's giving us, then what's the point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I think about that a lot in goal setting because I'm working towards a lot of long-term things right now. It's like, how, how do I want to feel when I have the, the letters PhD after my name, you know? And where is that coming mm-hmm. from? It's probably coming from feeling like I'm not good enough without it, right? So I want to feel like I'm enough and I'm valued and I'm respected. And so then I can say, okay, I want to feel those things. And then how can I feel those today rather than in five years when I have the PhD? How can I like take what I'm going to get from that experience that I'm trying to manifest or trying to accomplish. And how can I feel that now? So I don't have to wait because it'll be nice to have the PhD. That'll be really freaking cool. But like, what is it going to do for me now? If I'm just going to wait and say, I'll be happy when I have this thing, how can I feel respected today? Even if that's just, if my partner says something nice to me, I can say, yeah, that makes me feel respected. And we can kind of collect those little things and start to feel those things now because otherwise there's no point, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I just, I, I, I don't even have the words to express it. I just feel like I was so, we're so meant to connect. Mm-hmm. Like we're really on the same mm-hmm. wavelength. I love everything that's coming out of your mouth. And like, <laughs> I just, it is so important. And I am just feel so grateful to be on to just have you here. Like I, I just am so grateful. Oh I'm so excited. <laughs> I, um, I feel like I kind of have the superpower of like 
when I really connect with someone and there's like really a similar vibration, I, I mm-hmm. see in the future almost like seeing the potential mm-hmm. and I just, I'm going to speak it into existence, but like we're going to have events together. Yes. Yes. Like it's going to happen mm-hmm. because it is such a like spiritual and science put together. They really support mm-hmm. like what we say is very, very much the same, like it using is. literal same words. And it's just so exciting. And everyone heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm just so happy. Mm. Okay. I think there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you. When it comes to like, actually, I don't know. I don't even know. We're going to cut this out. Um, okay. Cause I just got overwhelmed. I'm just so happy <laughs> and excited. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, okay. So if you could tell your younger self, Mm. Or if you could tell like artists right now that are out there that are maybe just coming into the workforce, maybe they've been in the workforce for a really long time and they've seen how it's been and they know that they felt just incredibly exhausted and, and they're like, gosh, does it have to be like this always? Mm. Right? Like if you could impart wisdom into them and tell them like one thing what what do you think would make the biggest impact? Like, what do you feel mm-hmm. so called to just share with them? Oh, that question made me like want to cry a little bit. Thinking about my my smaller self, I just I think what I would say is that you have agency. You have agency to change the way that this is. You know, the system is going to be what it is. We're fighting for it. It's a slow process, but we are making those changes. But you have agency to feel differently right now. You have the ability to find joy in the shitty days and find joy in the hardest auditions. And you have the ability to, to change your brain. I mean, like (laughs) you have the, you have the ability to change the way that your brain and body are feeling right now. Um, and I just, I needed to hear that when I was younger, because I thought that I was just so subject to all the circumstances around me. And I was so influenced by how everyone else was feeling. And I didn't know that there was any other way. And, you know, there will be ups and downs. I am not here to say that everything is sunshine and roses. I have days where I cry. I have days where I feel like crap. I have days where I feel anxious. That's going to happen. We're human. We're in a pandemic our whole country is crumbling. You know, we, (laughs) our circumstances are hard, but there's also this amazing ability that we have as human beings to change the way that we feel in the moment, whether that be just taking us, taking a step back and playing our favorite song and dancing around our room. If we need three minutes to just take a pause, we can do that. Whether that be visualizing ourselves on Broadway when we're feeling like it's not going to happen or whether that be doing, I don't know, like laughter yoga, which is one of my favorite practices, which we, I'm sure we will talk about in the future. We have mm-hmm. the ability to change how we feel right now and in a way that doesn't negate the challenges that we're experiencing. Yeah, I think that that's what I needed to hear <laughs> way back when. 
and today, honestly. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Tell everyone how they can connect with you. Mm. Where mm-hmm. do you show up online? And yeah, how can people work with you? How can people learn from you? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram uh, at Emily Lies. It's E-M-I-L-I-E-L-E-Y-E-S. Um, you can also find me on TikTok. That's at Emily underscore Lies. And then you can also find some of the resources for actors on resilientactor.com. So I have tons and tons of different things that actors can engage with to find more resilience in their lives. I have an online mini um, seven part, I wouldn't say mini course. I have an online course called the Resilient Audition that is entirely self-paced. It's a seven part course to help actors use these practices that we've been talking about in this in this conversation to change neurologically the way that our brains and bodies respond to auditions so that we can actually love them. Um, It's a really transformative, amazing course. So that is available. Um, I also do one-on-one hypnosis work for anyone who wants some extra guidance to, to either work on auditions or find more creativity and flow and break out of that stress state when we are in auditions and performances and rehearsals. Um, so we do that kind of work and you can find all of that at resilientactor.com. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Emily, thank you so much for being here. I can't, (laughs) I can attempt to put into words how much it means to me and how so grateful I am that we've connected and how synergistic it is. And I'm just so excited to continue connecting with you. And I'm so glad that everyone who's listening has gotten a chance to hear what you have to say and um, all that you're learning and all that you have on this industry is going to be truly life-changing. Like I already know you're going to impact this industry from the inside out. And I'm so excited to do it with you Yes, because I'm going to do it together. It's like, (laughs) yeah, we got a band together. So I'm so grateful that you're here and thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. Oh my goodness. That conversation, like I hope you are beaming and like your mind is just exploding with all of the incredible information that Emily has brought. The connection between the science and the spirituality, the mindset work and the literal like brain paths, the proven science behind it. Like it is all connected. I'm just still, (laughs) clearly I'm like still enamored. I'm still mind blown of this conversation. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go back and listen to it over and over and over again. And as I said, I'm just so excited for what Emily is doing and how she's going to impact this industry. And I'm so excited for what's to come for us because I know the two of us are going to be working together in the future. So definitely look out for that. All right. If you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, or just at all, make sure to share it with a friend because people need to know about Emily. They need to know. They need to hear this conversation. They need to hear the connection. There is a message for them in this episode. So make sure to share it with any and all your friends who are in the industry, who just like learning about the brain, anything. More people that listen to this conversation the more traction it's going to get, which means that it's just going to be more more available, right? And we want as many people as possible to listen to this so that we can see as much change as possible in this industry. Because as she said, right, it's two ways, really from the top down, and we need to start showing up 
the way that we want to show up. And the only way to do that is to start changing our own minds. So share it with a friend, rate and review this podcast if you have not already. And just remember, as I always say, no matter where you are and no matter how you feel, you always have a choice. I'll talk to you next week.